It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Mark, hello. Scott, regular season starts tonight. For the Blackhawks, it starts tomorrow. Like a real hockey season. I know. It's, uh... I'm going to be on a flight during the game tonight, so I was going to say, like, I'm all excited to watch hockey, but uh, we also have a fantasy draft tonight, hockey fantasy draft. Yeah, you're abandoning me for the fantasy draft because you scheduled a night flight because you wanted to be there for your family. Well, what about me, Scott? What well, about I'm our South- fantasy I'm, team? I'm, I'm on a Southwest flight, so there's about a 10% chance it actually departs. Well, one, it's already been delayed, like, since the morning. But <laughs> oh, also, like, that explains it. You were, I was wondering why your flight was so delayed. Yeah, the yeah. Southwest is having issues. If I actually get off the ground, it'll be a miracle. So Say what you will about United, and there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not canceling thousands of flights this week. No, they're not. not knock so. on wood, because I have a United flight tomorrow to Newark. <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting start having Colorado off the bat. Like uh, Jeremy Colleton talked about it today. Like it's, um, you know, like it feels like this major bar. But I, I also think it's like no one. You probably shouldn't read in this game like a whole lot. You know, like it's like it's, I'm sure they don't want to look awful, but. Um, well, it, there's also Nathan McKinnon was on the COVID protocol today, so that could also change what, what Colorado yeah, he's looks out. like. He, he's officially out tomorrow now. He's, oh, is he that actually, right? Yep. Yeah, he tested positive. He is officially out tomorrow. Oh, that's um, interesting. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the Blackhawks last year, remember, they started in Tampa with two games in Tampa and just got obliterated by the Lightning. Uh, they had that young team, like all these guys that are making their debuts, and they just got destroyed, and everybody's like, oh, the season's going to be so bad. And then like a week and a half later, we're like, oh, wait, these guys can hang with a lot of teams. And it turned yeah. into a, a relatively fun year that was not really expected. And the Hawks were competitive for most of it in a playoff spot for a lot of it. So, yeah, you got to be really careful. Like, it, it, it's been so long since we've had an 82-game season that people might be forgetting just how long an 82-game season is. But the flip side of that is the Central Division is going to be so tough that you know points given away in October – are going to matter in April. So, yeah. you know, you can't get off to a slow start because the loser point makes it so hard to climb the standings in the NHL that you cannot get off to a slow start. I think there's also the fact that it, it, it's not about moral victories this year, right? Like, it's last year was right. the rebuild, and now it's... They built a team that's supposed to win, you know? Like, if... You know, we, we've kind of laid out... We actually did some planning for this podcast, which is which is odd for <laughs> Very us. Very unusual. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of get into what... You know what the season is, but it's it, it does feel different. You know, like it feels like this team was built to be a playoff team. You know, last year was built to to develop and and rebuild and whatever. But when you go out and make that trade for Jones, and I mean they're still young in a lot of ways. When you look at when even looking at like Mitchell and Stillman are going to be the pairing. You know, come tomorrow, like there there's definitely youth on this team, but there's enough veterans, enough moves that were made to accelerate this process, and and I um. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I guess I think of this team differently last year. Last year, like, the early results were, yeah, like, that was it was sort of what was expected. And then from the bounce back was unexpected. But um, while I don't expect them to compete with Colorado this year, I, I do expect the Blackhawks, the moves they made and the veterans they have, I mean, they should compete for a playoff spot, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we have uh, we have our, our annual uh, What the Scouts Are Saying piece coming out tomorrow. Uh, and I don't want to give away too much because it's always fun and a little juicy. But, uh, you know, one of the scouts, he told me, he said, they have to make the playoffs or just, just miss. It feels like playoffs are bust because 
man, it's been a long time. I mean, their only playoff appearance since the Stanley Cup, the last Stanley Cup, was kind of a fake one in the bubble where they like yeah. didn't really belong there, but they won a they won a play in series, so they got to play, and that's fine. That was good. That was good experience. But that's all the playoff experience that the overwhelming majority of this team has. Most of these guys, you know, it's not like the old days. You've got Taves and Kane, and you got Tyler Johnson, and you got Marc Andre Fleury. And you got a whole lot of guys who have accomplished nothing in the postseason in their careers. They have to get there. You know, it's at some point you've got to get there. And you know, the Blackhawks short-circuited their rebuild for this. They they put all their chips in the basket and said, you know, we're going to try to. I just said chips in the basket, eggs in the basket, and <laughs> and they're trying to win this year. And if they don't win this year, you know, that's that's problematic because you would you could have made steady incremental progress with what you had, but now you've taken this leap and you said we're competing now. And it's a difficult year to do that because the Central Division is not going to be a friendly place. I think for me, a big point of why this season wouldn't be a success, even if they do improve and they don't make the playoffs, is they don't have a first-round pick next year. You know, like yeah. you you gave up a lot to, to for Seth Jones, and and I think there's an expectation to win right now. Like if they don't make the playoffs and don't have a first-round pick next year, like it's yeah, it, it feels like a it looks like a, it feels like a failure. You know, like it. I, I also think that. I, you know, I've been following kind of Ticketmaster and how many tickets are remaining for the game for the season opener. And, you know, they, they may get the home opener and, and they may get the sellout status just because they, they, do, they do sell the SROs. But it, it's it's noticeable that it's it's hard. Like, you know, just even talking to season I, ticket holders I, I, this summer. I don't think you could put too much stock into that. I mean, honestly, if I weren't being there to be paid, I would not be going to a crowded arena, you know. In, indoor sport. This is different than going to the, if, White if the Sox Blackhawks. If this was the 2010 Blackhawks, that place would be packed. You know, like th- I'm not the, so sure about that. I'm really not. I, I, I think there's a lot of people that are hesitant to do things like that. You know, we're still guaranteed, in the middle of the guaranteed pandemic. Guaranteed is, is pretty packed with 40. That's an outdoor people. arena. It's outdoors. It's a complete. Yeah, like I, I've, I I've been to a bunch of Sox games this year. I would not go to a Blackhawks game if I had to sit wedged in there with that many people. I mean, I know that they're saying, you know, you got to be vaccinated or get a negative test. If it was just vaccinated, I might be more inclined. I mean, hell, I bought tickets to see a Broadway show on Thursday night when I have an off night in New York. I'm still kind of wary about doing that. I I think a lot of people, I mean, look, the sellout streak was going to end sooner or later. And um, it, it's it, been it, trending. It's going either end. way, it was yeah, trending in this right. direction. It's been so. easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper to get in than it had been in the past. But I think it's hard to put too much stock into that right now just because of external factors. This is an indoor sport, and I don't know quite how that's going to you know, work around the league. I, I do think the Blackhawks know that they have to win soon. Like I, I do think oh, yeah. their offseason correlates, their moves correlate them to realizing that we're losing season ticket holders, that, that as much as they just named it a rebuild, it, I think a lot of fans have thought this has been a rebuild going on for five years that – um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just I, I see enough trends around other sports around the other, you know, like obviously other things are outdoors. But I think there's been enough Blackhawks fans that would probably re- go in there regardless if this team was successful. So I, I think that at least maybe well, we'll, effect, see. we'll see. You know, I, we'll see how much it affects. I, I, you know, go back to your point about, you know, is this season a failure if the Blackhawks miss the playoffs? They get better but miss the playoffs. And I used to go round and round with David Kaplan on this on the old Sports Talk Live during the Cup years. He always said, if the Hawks don't win the Stanley Cup, this season was a failure. He said that in 2014 when the Hawks lost an overtime of Game 7 of the Western Conference Final in between winning Cups. And I, I've, I always pushed back against those absolutes, that it can't be that black and white. But there's a difference between the Stanley Cup or bust and the playoffs are bust. You yeah. missed the playoffs after you know adding all the pieces you added and investing all that you've invested into the season – yeah, I think that's going to be a failure. And and even if it's whether whether they miss the playoffs by one point or twelve points, 
Uh, it's going to be hard to you know justify more of the same. You know, you're, you you a lot of years of Kane and Taze's primes have been squandered here. You know, they're they're thirty three and thirty two. Kane's going to be thirty three also in November. At, at some point, you need to make a second run with them, and this has to be the year where that starts. And it also it's going to get harder to put together. Like you might have Mark Andre Fleury, and I don't. You know, I think this may just be a one year thing. You know, like. Kane and Taves contracts are coming to an end. Kubalik's owed another deal. Um, you know, like they have some Seth cash Jones space. jumps up a lot next year, like about four yeah, million dollars. Like, th- there's a window where it's going to get become a bit of a cap hell again. With you know, Debrinket's owed another contract, and you have to mm-hmm. you have to think he's licking his chops of what his next deal can look like. You know, like um, you're, you're moving out Kane and Taves potentially, and, and it depends on what they you know what those next contracts look like. But you're you're replacing them with Jones and Debrinket's next contracts, and and without you know, like any clear sight to where the Stanley, you know, where the the cap is rising. So, yeah, I don't. I I feel like not that the Blackhawks are cup contender right now, but um, this team should like on paper. And I get the Central is really tough, but it it has the pieces to be a pretty good team that should make mm-hmm. the playoffs and, and and potentially, you know, like if everything goes the Blackhawks' favor, that they could do some damage. I agree. Well, let's get right into it. We we, we okay. broke this down into a whole bunch of categories and over-unders and stuff. Let's start right there. The Blackhawks are a playoff team if what happens? I, I think Seth Jones is a huge piece of this. I, I think I think him being the number one defenseman that he needs to look like he did previously in Columbus. Like he's going to eat the ice time. He's going to be on the power play. Um, you know, McCabe and Murphy and all those things are nice, but I, I think a lot of this relies on I think if Duncan Keith had been better in recent years, the Blackhawks were potentially a playoff team. You know, like I think that makes that much of a difference if he's playing 25 minutes a game. Um, I know that we have another question about who, like, who the biggest piece is, but I, I think it does come down to Seth Jones. I think he's, um, you know, like you you traded a lot for him. You've put a lot of stock into him now and in the future. And if he doesn't look like he's the number one defense in this year, then you have a problem many years going forward. But I think right now that Seth Jones can really make a difference in what this team does. I think the Blackhawks are a playoff team if Marc-Andre Fleury posts a 920 or better save percentage. He's done that for the last seven years. Uh, nine guys, including him, did it last year. That's the kind of number the Hawks, they don't have to be 928, but it's got to be around 920. And that's going to be a lot harder to do behind the Blackhawks' defense than it was against uh, behind Vegas's defense. So um, goaltending can mask a lot of flaws. That you know, when 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 the Hawks had Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, they were pretty competitive despite having a horrible team defense. This year's team defense should be better, and you've got a goalie of that caliber and Mark Andre Fleur. If he puts up a nine twenty or better, then I think these these Hawks sneak into the playoffs. I guess we, we one of the questions was the most important player to the Blackhawks this season. We both named that, but who who's, who else is on that list? Who well, else? It's Jonathan is? Taves. I mean, you know, it, it's it's almost weird to me how underplayed the Jonathan Taves angle has been, both locally and nationally, over the last month. It's absolute. This is one of the biggest stars in the NHL, one of the most respected and widely recognized great players in the league, and he missed an entire year where people didn't know if he was ever coming back. Where he dropped off the face of the earth, and he just shows up at camp and he looks like Jonathan Taves again. And he plays twenty three minutes in his first game, including like a two minute overtime shift, and he's going to be there on uh, on Wednesday night in Colorado. He's going to be you know your number one or number two center, depending on how you uh, label the lines. Uh, he's back and he, he, the whole lineup, the whole complexion of the lineup changes with him. It's such a dramatic difference. He's such a linchpin in that lineup 
that you put him back in there and all of a sudden they look a lot deeper down the middle. They look a lot better on the penalty kill. They look a lot better in important faceoffs. The power play looks better. Now, I don't know exactly what you can expect out of him, but he's clearly expecting a lot out of himself. He didn't. He only took two days off in all of training camp, a very grueling training camp, by the way. Uh, he seems to be in really good shape. He's in great spirits. Uh, you had that video of him just randomly tripping Kevin Lankin in for fun at practice today. I mean, he's that we used to joke, me and Tracy Myers used to joke about the Tavezone meter. Uh, and, and when he was goofing off in the morning skate and he was having fun, the Hawks were going to win that night. And he's been in good spirits this entire camp. And a, 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 a happy-go-lucky Jonathan Taves is a good Jonathan Taves. And, you know, we'll see if he's, you know, th- again, we, we, we're doing the scouts piece. And I was talking to a scout. He's, you know, last year there was the talk that Jonathan Taves being gone was helpful for Jeremy Colleton because it allowed players to buy in without Taves' resistance. And I think there's a sense that Taves is more willing to buy in this year. You know, he's a year removed. He doesn't want to be disruptive. Uh, he saw that it kind of worked for teams, like the, the, the work ethic and all that, that he could buy into that. And if Jonathan Taves buys in, then, you know, what excuse does anyone else have? So uh, he is hugely important. I don't know what to expect of him. He, he might play 20 games. He might play 82 games. I have absolutely no idea. But he is such a huge X factor to this season. I, you know, I think it's interesting. Like even today, the lines that Taves line was third. And I, and I think that there's an argument that Taves could be the first or the third center. Like I, I think... I think Tyler Johnson obviously isn't the third, you know, the first or the second best center, but he's going to play that line that, and then I think that Kirby Doc line is is, is going to be huge for Colleton. Like I, like I, and now that we know that why why Doc was playing more five on five time than than Taves in the playoffs, but Doc is still the future of this team. You know, like he the Blackhawks if they can get Doc to back to where he was trending before the World Juniors, like he was trending towards something really special and I, I think you're starting to see some signs of that again. So I'm curious on on where 5 on 5 ice time falls. I think I, I think Taves is going to see top power play units and obviously he's huge on the PK, but on 5 on 5 I wonder if um especially since that Colleton sometimes falls out of favor with Kubalik and um, that I feel like Hagel's taken a pretty good significant step up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, but I think Doc's for me is that, you know, outside of Taves, I think Doc's the other key is that where he's, he's the guy that I don't think when you look at the national experts that are, people are accounting for that he could take that step, you know, like there's still an unknown, like is, is he as good as the Blackhawks thinking can be or, or the signs that he was showing going into world juniors last Last season, so I, I think for me, if the Blackhawks and you know, like if Doc takes that next step, he is that special two-way player that he's shown the Titans that he can potentially be. That I think he also can kind of elevate this team and take him to somewhere that people maybe don't expect. Yeah, I think that I think Jeremy's got to be a little careful about expecting too much out of Brandon Hagel. We put a lot on him because he's a fun player last year and he created a lot, but. This is not a 25, 30 goal scorer in the NHL. He is what he is. He's an energy guy, and they need to. The Blackhawks are a lot better if Brandon Hagel's in your bottom six than your top six. And that's not a knock on Hagel. I love him as yeah. a player, but he is. Let's not. He's not Alex Dabrinka here. You know? I'm not sold on. Not that he's 25 goal scorer, but I think Brandon Hagel has more. I think the fact that he created those opportunities last season as a rookie, I, I and, and at every level, again, it's every other level, but he scored, you know, like I. I think he's a 20-goal scorer. I, I think that Brandon Hagel, not that necessarily he's a you know, definitive top six, but I think he's a depth scorer that's going to surprise you a little bit where I, I think that the fact that he puts himself in so many different positions to score, and even in the preseason we've seen on, um, you know, uh, just creating breakaways and if you know i think having doc and you know borgstrom who sees the ice so well that um realizing how to create hit, putting him into open space to get pucks like i 
I, I think we have an over-under about Hagel's goals, and I, I think that he's a 20-goal scorer this season. I, I, I guess that's one of those guys that I, I thought he was a little bit snake-bitten as a rookie, um, but he had those chances. So, like, I, I think I think there's hey, like the fact that he is still he's so young that that there's that potential. But um, I guess we can also see what yeah, see what he is this season. But well, I mean, I mean, if we're gonna skip ahead to that one, let's not forget. I mean, we talk a lot about how man, if only he could finish around the net. He had a nine point nine shooting percentage last year. That's above league average. Which league average is like like low nines. Yeah, and he had nine goals last year. So I, I don't know how much more he generates so much offense, but it's not always for himself. So I, I just feel like twenty goals is a really high bar for him. We shall see. We shall. Uh, uh, I, one of the big questions, and and I I know that just looking at other people's lists of what coaches who are on the hot seat and who might get fired first, and and I think Colleton's appeared on some of these lists. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, I, is is he on the hot seat? Is he someone who who's coaching for his job right now? Uh to a, to an extent, yeah. I don't think he's like on the hot seat, but he could, his seat could get very hot very quickly. Remember the. The Hawks fired Dennis Savard four games into the season because they had Joel Quenville waiting. They fired uh, Joel Quenville, I think it was 16, 15 games. They were 6-6-3, six, six, something like that, uh, into the 2018-19 season because they had Jeremy Colleton waiting. They don't have anyone waiting in the wings right now. There's not, they're not looking for a reason to fire Jeremy Colleton. They like Jeremy Colleton. But if this team, with all we've talked about and the pressure that's been placed on them, really stumbles badly out of the gate, if they start like, you know, 3-7-1 and one or something like that, then the calls will be very quick. And, you know, Stan Bowman is general managing for his job, too. Let's not forget that. And, you know, when it comes down to it in the NHL, you look out for number one. And if the GM fires the coach, that's what you do. Uh, I don't expect it to happen. I don't think the Blackhawks will start start so badly. But um, if things go awry, it will happen very, very quickly. I think Stan Bowman's fate is connected a lot to Jeremy Colleton's. You know, well, yeah. How many coaches do you get to hire? Right. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's they, they fired Joel Quinville because it was it, it was you know they put so much on Quinville and it was obvious that it wasn't Joel Quinville. Like it was it was roster management. It was construction of the team. Like it, a lot of it should have fell on Stan Bowman and and it didn't. And and you know and Colleton you know like he's treaded water for the most part over the last few years. And you know again I, I don't you know like people talk about the system and Colleton and. I think it's all been about the roster. Like they just they haven't had a team that can compete. And this team this team should compete. You know, yeah. like they should be they should be competitive. And and I, I don't think, you know, the system's not you know, people talk about the system, the system, but it's it's no different than a lot of teams. So um the Blackhawks should be able to execute the system based on the defensemen they have. Um all those things. But yeah, if if Carlton fails and I think Bowman fails, like I, I think this all comes down to him. So I I don't know. It's going to um, take a lot because both of them are on relatively new contract extensions yeah. here. So, but if things get real bad, you know, Rocky's got a lot of money is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, who will be the most surprising player this season? Um, it's a really good question. Um, Dylan Strome putting up 60 points in Ottawa. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, 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 there's a lot of talk about Dylan Strome looking to move him. They've been looking to move him for over a year now. It's not a surprise. Um, so maybe it would be surprising if Dylan Strom had a really good season in Chicago. I think he's capable of it, but it's just clear he's not in the plans here. So I'll go with uh, another guy who seems to be starting off on uh, I, I, I buried a little bit, which is uh, uh, is Gaudet, who had a great camp and isn't in the lineup. He's you know Mackenzie Entwistle's ahead of him, and Jujar Kara's ahead of him, and Ryan Carpenter's ahead of him, and I'm not so sure any of them should be. 
But uh, I like what I've seen out of Gaudet. I think he's got a he's got a hell of a motor on him. He seems motivated this year. And if and when he gets a chance in the lineup, I I think it'll be like Hagel last year, who got in in the fourth game of the year. Once he's in, he's not going to let go of that spot. For me, it's I think Reichel is the interesting one. Like, I think Reichel comes up at some point. Like if if any of these players falter, that I think Reichel's shown enough skill and ability. And the Blackhawks are probably fortunate that Reichel didn't like blow up in those few preseason games because <laughs> it would have made things a lot more difficult. Because even now, like I mean, we've talked about it, Strowman and Goddard were probably two of the better players in camp. And yeah, no um, question. Uh, and I, I just I don't know how much of an opportunity was realistically there. They, they obviously want Borgrams to succeed. Remember when people and used to complain about how Joel Quenville just made up his mind on guys super early? Jeremy Colleton does that like to an even greater extent. It feels like like he's he's got his guys. He every coach is like that, but he's he's, he's no different. He's got his guys he likes. And he's got his guys he doesn't trust. It came down. There's basically one spot in this lineup, you know, like it was, you know, and to and twistle emerging change the, but it's it's how he wants the fourth line to look, you know, like it's the reason why Reese Johnson got a look and some of these guys, like he wants that fourth line grinder, that center, um, with some size and strength, and that wasn't Godet or Stroman, and so it came down to that who was going to be Hagel and Doc's wing and. Um, I thought Godet looked really good with those guys, and and you know, Strom on Saturday played really well. but you know Borgstrom, he's the big piece of that trade. Like it would probably not look good if Borgstrom didn't make this team. And not that Borgstrom's looked bad either. I thought he had a pretty good camp. But you know, like that was. I, I think Strom and Goddard had the largest hurdles to climb in in this. Um, you know, the clear in this camp, and and apparently they're out of it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious what Reichel's season will become because I, I think that he's good enough to be in the NHL at some point this season. And um, you know, if this team's faltering offensively or, or that, that he may push them. Um, over unders, um, Kane ninety points. Oh man, that, that when you when you, that's like right at the number. I, I I'm gonna say over just because he's been at like a ninety six. I I think he's been a a ninety six point pace basically for an eighty two game season since his MVP year. He's like third in the league in points per game, about one point seven one point one seven behind only McDavid and Kucherov. I mean, he's really really good. At you know at what he does, which is racking up points. Uh, he seems healthy. We don't know how much this nagging injury is going to affect him, but I think he's going to be a ninety ninety two. I think that's right around the number he'll be at. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly over too. I, I think the power play is good enough. Like we've seen enough yeah. the top unit where they're going to produce. They're and, slinging the puck around. I mean, if they can keep that up, that'll be fun to watch. And then, and if he's just racking up secondary or primary assists, that yeah. certainly helps too. So yeah, but again, I think the injury is. You know, like it, his game certainly dropped off last season. You know, like it was noticeable that he wasn't producing at that he had same four level. Four goals over his last 33 games. This is a yeah. guy who, when he goes three games without a goal, is like, you know, banging his head against the wall. I mean, it was unlike anything we'd ever seen from him. Uh, Debrinket, 40 goals. 40 is a lot. I, 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 I mean, he was on a 50 goal pace last year and he was on a 22 goal pace the year before that. I think he's a safe bet for 35 goals year after year. I think he'll spike some 40s and I'll have some in the low 30s. I'm going to say under, but that's not because I don't. I think Alex Dabrinkit is a f- absolutely fantastic hockey player all around. Huge piece of this. Again, he's the trigger man on that power play, but 40s a lot. I'm going to say he'll be in the high 30s. Yeah, I, I think thirty to forty range seems safer. Um, again, it could it come down to that power play. Like if Demirkit yeah. starts producing more, uh, Kubalik with thirty goals. I'm going under there. I know he's got great chemistry with Jonathan Taves and he's back on his wing, but I think we're looking at like a really good twenty to twenty five goal scorer year after year. I, I, the, the fact that he's on the second power play yeah, unit and that, that second power play unit gets like twenty seconds of ice time every power play. 
that's going to cost him. If, if they had a power play one unit that was built around him, he could be a 35 goal guy. Yeah. Uh, Hagel, 20 goals. Uh, under. He's just not that guy. I mean, again, he had, he had a 9.9 shooting percentage last year and had nine goals. I mean, he wasn't like he wasn't burying some chances. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a player you need. He's not a player that can lead you to you – know, he's, he's a really good piece. He's a middle six guy. I don't think he'll ever be a 50, 60 point, 20 goal guy though. I'm going to go over. Uh, Taves, 19 minutes of average ice time. I, under, I hope. I mean, the smart thing to do – I mean, I've written about this already, this camp, and it's obviously falling on deaf ears because they're not going to practice load management with Jonathan Taves. But, uh, I mean, the fact is, in his whole career, Taves is like a 19-minute and 50-second-a-game guy. He doesn't play 21, 22 minutes like Kane does all the time because Kane's double-shifting at the end of a game. So, you know, I think playing him 18, 18 and a half minutes, I think that's a perfectly reasonable number. It's not that big of a drop-off from what he's used to, and it's a reasonable compromise – for someone who you need to be really careful with this season. Yeah, it, it, I guess for me, it, it's going to vary game. I think I think in special teams, they're going to just drive him into the ground. Like, it's it's not going to ever be a thought. I, I think with the five-on-fives where they can pull back, and if they do play that dock line more. Um, but, yeah, just from everything we've seen, like, they're it's all full it's, go. With it, nothing, nothing's, nothing's different. It's like, it's like he never left, which is great. But it's also kind of disconcerting from, like, a an objective standpoint. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury with a 920 save percentage. Oh, well, that was the magic number I said, right? I mean, it's asking a lot behind this defense to put up a 920. He's going to face so many more high danger chances than he did in Vegas. Um, I don't know. What I'm did Kevin go- Lincoln finish with last year? He was like in the like nine O's, wasn't he? I don't think it was. Uh, it was all that nine oh nine. Yeah, and he had, he, and that's because he dropped off. He was in the nine fifteen, nine seventeen range for a lot of the year. Where you know Dom was talking about him up for the for the Vesna every night, but uh, I, I think nine twenty. It's 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 the bar, and I think that Flurry will just clear it. I think he'll get there. Well, I was I was trying to figure out what uh, Leonard and Crawford would were um, if they had to be around that, right? This is why uh, we need to do our homework. I, I did my homework. To, uh, Leonard was at nine eighteen, so Crawford must have been right around there too. Yeah, I mean that's a big number. Those guys were really good. That so this is a slightly better Blackhawks defense. So I think you can get a slightly better save percentage out of Flurry. Yeah, no, that's uh, it, it. Feels like yeah, it, it'll be. Uh, It'll be close. Like it'll, and a lot will depend on the penalty kill. Obviously, the penalty kill was absolutely horrendous in training camp, but they didn't even work on it for the first couple of weeks. So, who yeah, knows I don't know how much they're reading. Like it's just, I, yeah. I, I, all, I all those like, guys are on the power play, so they weren't getting their reps. I think there's something to that. Yeah, I don't know, I f- but I feel like that's every year that like no one ever works on the penalty kill. Like, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Know? Like, like give them a couple of weeks, and if they're terrible, still, then then there's something to be worried about. Crawford was nine nine seventeen his last season. Okay, yeah, so they were both right around the same, Leonard and Crawford. Um. Oh, the last one was Reichel, uh, 10 NHL games this season. Oh, I'm going over. I mean, he, once he gets in, he's here to stay. I think that's that goes without saying. And there's always injuries. There's always guys that will stumble. I don't know if Mackenzie Entwistle will be here all year. Reichel will get his chance, and once he's in, he's in. Yeah, I, I guess there's incentive for the Blackhawks. Like, they haven't – like, as, as long as Strom and Goddard are in this lineup, like, and especially Nylander. Like, Nylander is sort of that wild card, too. Like, if he shows something that – there's incentive for the Blackhawks to make sure that Reichel's contract slides, you know? Like, yeah, I, but I, I, in a different year, maybe, but this is a win-now year, and if he's going to make you better, I think they're going to have to suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I, I named Reichel as my surprise, but I'm not sure if he's going to play in some <laughs> games or not. Um, 
we, we talk about the sellout streak. I, I think a couple of other things, you know, the storylines off the ice this season are interesting. Certainly the lawsuits are something that we've talked a lot about and, mm-hmm. you know, things will unfold here in the months. But I, I think also the broadcasting, um, you know, like all four broadcasters contracts are, you know, are, are coming up, uh, you know, with um, Pat Foley's obviously already announced that he's retiring after the season. Um, they're going to rotate, you know, TV broadcasters. Foley mentioned the other day that they're, um, that they want to hear from fans that you know, like their feedback, like this, yep. it, it can probably get a little bit harsh too, you know. It's true, um, but it's uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious how that plays out. Like, I Foley's you know going to do a lot of games, but they're gonna they're gonna have people coming in the radio booth and coming in the TV booth and a lot of different voices. That, John Weidman's uh, gonna get a crack at the TV chair. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how all that translates. You know? Yeah, no, like, for sure. Like John Weidman is this phenomenal radio voice. Like it is so hard to call hockey on the radio because you have to be tape to tape and you have to be so on top of things. And he's so good at it. Will he be able to translate that to TV? I assume he can. I, you know, we talk to him all the time at, at the rink. He's a great storyteller, and that's part of what being a TV broadcaster is. It's filling some time with with telling stories and having. Well, chemistry I think he did and, TV for a bit, right? Wasn't he? he- uh, before Did he Foley do it? came back. When Foley was fired? I don't even know. I think they did a I, simulcast I, or something. I but it, 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 if that's the case, and it's been more than a decade since he's done yeah. it. I, mean, doing I think TV the interesting about hockey is the one sport where you find TV broadcasters broadcast games most closely the radio because it, it moves so fast and mm-hmm. i think the fans are so like like you you have a little bit more room to give your your color analysts an opportunity but like it's a lot of play-by-play more than than other sports what do you think is harder guy. doing doing a, a, a let's say tv doing baseball or hockey baseball where you have to fill 99 percent of the air is dead air or hockey where you got to be just breathlessly doing the pace what do you think is harder <sighs> I think for me, hockey, just because you, you like you, if you lose sight of like we, we hear people mess up all the time. It's oh, just yeah. like you need them. Yeah. You need to keep on going. Like you can't like go correct yourself. You know, I like, think baseball must be so hard. I mean, like I, 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 I never yeah, listen. But those to guys, it. like they know what they're going into. Like they know it's 162 games. They know, you, but you know? that's the, you got to you got to fill up to four hours a night, 162 nights a year with just telling stories, basically, because like, yeah. there's just nothing happening in the game. I think that's hard. I don't know. They're both yeah. all hard. I don't know how TV people do it. Like I, I can barely talk on a podcast without stammering over my words and you know and slipping into curses and stuff like that. I don't know how this. They're all just amazing <laughs> to me how well they can do it. Yeah. No. It's it's like I, I to be a guy who doesn't embrace like analytics and stuff because like that'd be the type of type of stuff that I'd had like to fill up time. Like you'd feel like you yeah. want to pull all that stuff out. And um, what else we got here? Uh. We're back on the road this season. Um, yes. I'm traveling to Denver. You're heading off east. Where Where's like the most? Where are you most excited about returning to? Um, well, I'm excited to go to Seattle because I've never been. Um, so I'm looking forward. Have you to never that. been to I've Seattle ever? ever? I've never been to Seattle ever. So nice. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm gonna actually this, the, the Hawks have like four days off before that game, so I'm gonna go out a day early just to oh, see awesome. some, uh, touristy stuff. But uh, I really miss Los Angeles. I love going to LA during the season. Uh, I, I love staying in Manhattan Beach. I, I just love everything about, you know, just rent. It's like the last, the only city left in the NHL where I rent a car because you have to have a car. Yeah. And I just drive around with the windows down in the middle of winter in LA. And I just, you know, I'll never be able to afford to live in LA or Manhattan Beach. But God, I love visiting there. And I'm looking forward to getting back there. Yeah, the, I, I used to love LA, but the driving gets to me. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I found that I just, as I've gotten older, like, they're like, even now, like, I, I dread Colorado because just Denver's airport is so far. And it's, you know, like, it's <laughs> in Kansas. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I still love that. I, I, you get all the trips now because it's where you're home. But New York's still the place. For I know. Me. I like, feel just, bad about that. It's all right. It's a, I'll, I'll get the New York some way or another. Like there'll be a day where uh, we both go out there or something. But yeah, I don't know. New York's still the place. For, like I, I, I grew up wanting to live in New York, and then uh, you know there was a stretch there where we considered moving to New York, and um, yeah, I think it's for New York, New York still, and, and even now, like I, I, I got the Mar- I got the Montreal, Toronto trip was usually you oh, know, that's like a great that's one. A, that's yeah. a fun one, and um, we'll see what can. I'll be, I'll be like. honest with you, hundred percent honest with you. I miss every single city in NHL. Like, there's nowhere I dread going. I legit, I dread being in Calgary's press box, but I love Calgary. You know, people, yeah. people hate on Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg. Winnipeg's one of my favorite places to see a game. It's convenient. The hotel's right next to the rink. I like going everywhere. I just like being yeah. on the road. I like being at different rinks. I like having drinks with uh, other writers on the road. I, I miss all of it. There's not a city in the league that if you sent me to tomorrow, I'd be like, oh shit, I got to go here. You know, the worst part not is that a single I, I think one. that you and I don't get the, like, we're not on the road anymore together, you know, like that. Right. Like it, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, basically, wherever I am, you're not, and vice yeah, versa. For sure, I and we I know we talk about it every year, but I, I'd love to kind of jump into prospects. Each, you know, as, as these podcasts as Easton goes along, and um, you know, I'm I'm I haven't really done a whole lot of prospect stuff yet, but I'm I think there's some interest. Like I think Rockford's really interesting this year. And I'm, I'm hoping to get the Rockford a little bit more this season. I think I think the whole defense is really interesting. In fact, the Nylander's there. Uh, unfortunately, Matez uh, Halupa went on. Uh, unconditional waivers today so he's not going to be there but um i, I think rafford is interesting and then guys like i i, I don't know if we'll, we'll travel but you know i i miss going to see like making those trips to see secura and yeah and to bring kid in those prospects yeah, for a Mitchell, lot of fun right yeah. i i think going to see uh, I, I like to go to bu this year possibly i think Camaso and, and alex velastic are both two guys that uh you know we can see in the initial lineup at some yep. point so um, I, uh, yeah, I like to pick up some of the, maybe, and maybe, yeah, hopefully I'll do a little bit of research before each podcast and I'll have someone to talk about, but I, I think the college season just started and, and guys like Landon Slaggart and, and even like Jake Wise, who transferred to Ohio State, uh, um, you know, he, he's probably on, you know, he's not really thought of at this point just cause he's, he's, you know, he, he, produced, he was such he, a highly touted prospect too. People thought the world of him when they drafted him and it just hasn't worked out. He spent the entire summer in in Chicago working out, and I, I know the Blackhawks haven't closed that door yet. And him transferring was part of it too, just kind of a new scenery. So um, I, I think you know the fact he's at Ohio. You know, I was gonna I was gonna say where is it close? There's no really like it's not unfortunate Northwestern Illinois don't have a team to go go watch someone like that play. But I, I think Wise is interesting. But yeah, I will um, I'll do some prospect research. Um, for for you and I, this is both our our tenth season on a beat, which is and I know we mentioned last mind podcast, blowing, which is crazy. Yeah, I never thought I'd be covering hockey for one season, and here we are at ten. Um, Meanwhile, this is all I ever wanted to do with my life since I was like nine years old. Yeah, I still I you know I, I stopped doing it after I don't know which it was like the whole seventeen seconds like it was in the press room and mm-hmm. I I don't and part part of it's the athletic doesn't have like a deadline like that anymore. But I I stopped watching games. Um, you know, we used to go down in the the press room in the mm-hmm. third period, and and we just there's so many moments that we missed live because we were watching off of TVs and all these great moments that I. That's um, why I always think of Game Seven against Detroit because I knew there would be a handshake at the end of that game, regardless. So that gave yeah. you that bought you time to get downstairs. So we yeah. were still in the press box for the for the for you know the the Jomerson goal that was waved off, and then Seabrook's goal in overtime. Yeah, I think like, I was in the room. Because I was so I one I didn't know what I was writing about, so I was just scared for every hockey story that I wrote. That like, <laughs> and there was something there was something due at the whistle for the athletic. So like I or for for ESPN that I just yeah I, I God that whole season was 
Trent Flowers. So I remember talking. It was so much fun. I, that was a good fun season ever. People were like, "Oh, you covered the Blackhawks for ESPN. That must be awesome." And I and I and I I just think, "Oh, this fucking sucks." You know, like it just <laughs> like people are like, "What? How was you know?" Like I didn't hide my. I was like a kid it. in a candy store that whole year. That the whole sprint season, the forty-eight games in ninety-nine days, and the the cup run, and man, I was having the time of my life. You know, it's funny. Is I the, the ESPN put me on the White Sox beat for one year too, and not that I had the same mentality, but it was like a grind, and I didn't know. Like I knew basketball. Like I didn't. Like I knew enough of other sports, but I was all ready to embrace the White Sox after a second season, and they moved me to hockey. Um, I'm just glad that I got. There's it nothing worse I, than covering baseball. You you took a you 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 dodged a bullet there. That is. Long and bo- I love baseball. Don't get me wrong; it's like my, yeah. one of my I love. I watch the Mets every night back, you know, the rig during the season. But those are long days. You get to the stadium at like two o'clock and you don't leave till midnight every day. There's no off days. It's just brutal. I'm I'm just glad that I got a second shot at the Blackhawks and that I embraced it. And I, and obviously, I feel like I, I know something about hockey now. So. And you're beloved, man. You're like a beloved hockey writer now. Doesn't that feel weird to you? Yeah, really weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. What, what are you, I don't know, over 10 seasons, what are, what are your favorite things? I mean, yeah, you know, I could, I could go back to the, the, the Red Wings series in 2013 and the, the Kings series in 2014. Still oh, even off the ice. Well, like, that, that's like, the thing. Like, for me, honestly, if my favorite memories of the, of the last 10 years are just being out on the road with other writers at dinner or at a bar, watching games, you know, doing quick uh, gambling drafts on who's going to, you know, picking names out of a hat, who's going to score the overtime winner in some random Minnesota, Colorado game, you know, Bitching about work, comparing, you know, frequent flyer travel tips and, you know, pondering where we're going to spend our Marriott points and United Miles that summer. I mean, me and Tracy Myers and Chris Cook, we were with each other almost every single minute of every single day for like, what, five or six years. And, you know, we're still good friends. We still text just about every day. I mean, you know, I, I miss those. I miss those days where you know, there was like a, a, a kind of a knot of us traveling like that. And I just miss being on the road and that's what I remember. Like when I think back, like people say, what do you like about your job? It's not, I like writing and I like hockey and I like interviewing and I like working, but I like just, I, the, the best thing about the hockey world is the people in it. And I miss all of them. And I can't, can't wait to get back to see them all. I, I feel like I've lived so many different lifetimes through this beat where it was like, <laughs> I went on the beat and I, I hated it. And then I embraced it and had to learn a lot about hockey. Um, and then, you know, towards the ESP, end of ESPN, I got, you know, I felt like I got better at it. And then I got, you got laid off from ESPN. And so you're freelancing and then you start up the athletic and you're not credentialed and you're trying to figure out ways to do that. And, um, and then for us to hire a second writer, you know, like that was unheard of and, and to learn how to cover the beat with you. And, um, like it, it's, it feels like all these different things wrapped up in these 10 seasons and, and, and I, you know, I feel like a different person and, um, an evolved uh, a fan, you know, of the sport, and or even you know, not not even coming in as a fan of sport, hating the sport, you know, and, and embracing it and learning it, and certainly doing like the book with Belfry, and then, yeah. um, like I, yeah, I don't know, it's just it feels like this complete evolution. We're in ten years, and certainly where we are in life, like we've we've added family since then, and mm-hmm. you know, like we, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, and and it just even for us to cover this beat, I feel like you and I have gotten closer, and the ways that we've learned how to cover this beat have evolved and we're certainly still kind of trying to push the envelope and compete. And um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of like the game stuff is, yeah. Like you, you, not that we're fans of the Blackhawks, but to be able to cover Stanley cups, like that stuff's fun, you know, sure, but also yeah. the cover, the cover lottery picks like that stuff's fun. Like I, I, I found that, you know, as you go through each different phase, especially not having covered the sport, that it's all been new and exciting and, um, the cover team rebuilding and then 
uh, the cover superstars and then cover, you know, prospects and different coaching changes and all these different things. Like it all adds to, um, and I'm sure as a fan, it's not always fun, but as a, as a reporter, like it's just, well, yeah, different experiences. if the team was just great every year, that would get old too. Right. You know, we've gotten to cover the gamut really. We've covered some of the best teams that anyone's ever seen and some truly putrid ones and some in that mushy, a lot of them in the mushy middle. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, you don't want this, the, 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 the thing that kills you in this business is sameness. And, uh, between changing companies and the, the, the ever-changing, you know, complexion of this team uh, hasn't been a whole lot of sameness, which uh, which I think I'm grateful for. Lastly, I, I, I'm going to continue to push our pop culture. Uh, Hell yeah. Of, um, anything good TV, music, movies, anything you got? Well, I mean, Succession is coming out uh, next oh, yeah. next week on HBO. And that's, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, it's been so long since Succession has been on. But I just started watching it like six months ago. So it's all fresh for me. And I can't wait for the third season now. Uh, it's uh, just phenomenally, you know, as someone who just generally hates rich people and likes seeing them miserable, it's just freaking great. I can't get yeah. enough of it. I I, thought, I, I I like the second season more than the first. Like the first one. Like it, it got up so absurd at times, like, and, and part of it's like you have to buy, like obviously bend your mind with this whole thing. Like how many times does one family like get into fights about you right. know? Like, um, but yeah, I I, 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 I'm definitely hooked at this point too. I'm gonna see um, James Bond tomorrow, you know, in, in the coming days. Looking forward to that because I've been seeing trailers for it for 16 years. I think it's been so COVID delayed, so I'm looking forward to finally getting that one under the belt. Nice. Um, I was watching a lot of TV there for points, and then now the season picked up. Like I stopped, but I. I, Ted Lasso was still like a, a go to for me. Like I, I like the know, second they, season. I, I you know I, I I know I I I I was waiting for it so I could binge it closer to the end. But then once I saw the discourse happening and I didn't want to get bogged down, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go catch up with it. And I caught up with it. And I get what people were talking about and all the things, but it's still just a really good show. And I it, I don't need it to be just sunny and happy all the time. I like the fact that they gave Ted a little you know depth of character and. I could just watch Keely and Rebecca be friends forever. Just I can yeah. watch a show that's just Keely and Rebecca for an hour straight. Yeah, there's something that makes you just feel good about watching. You know, like yeah. I, there, there's it's it's uh, in that same I, vein as like Parks and Rec was like that, where it's just like this. It's a joyful show, even when it's being sad yeah. and has some pathos to it. It's still just there's a there's an undercurrent of joy that I appreciate because this, you know, as someone who watches a lot of prestige TV, there's a lot of it that's just depressing as hell and it's 48 minute slogs through sadness and I loved the leftovers but sometimes you need something that's the polar opposite of the leftovers and Ted Lasso fits that bill. Yeah. I just got done with that show Line of Duty while I was going through my uh, UK phase so that was like for <laughs> six seasons that I watched in about 3 weeks so. Um but uh, yeah, the road's always good for that. Like, it'll be nice. To, yeah, like, just you know, I, it's hard with I, the I kids. The, it's hard with the kids running around to watch stuff like Succession. There's a lot of uh, it's it's not the most family friendly show out there. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I hit the road tomorrow, and then you hit the road, and we got we got the scouts piece tomorrow, which is always fun. Um, and then yeah, well, I guess we'll. What do you um, think the Blackhawks think about that piece every year? <laughs> the last few years, I'm sure they've hated re- like I. <laughs> I feel bad because I mean we 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 don't I mean we let the scouts talk and there's yeah, some that's, shitty, it's, there's that's, some crappy things they say and scout and they're hockey you know it's quote all capital H capital M hockey men so uh, they're uh, they're blunt hockey men yeah. are not they don't, they don't sugarcoat things yeah but honestly I mean from at least the people I talk to they're a lot more optimistic about the Blackhawks yeah. this season yeah like it's I, I think I th- no they're I think fair from, they're they're blunt but they're I think they're always fair yeah no for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll have we'll have that, and then we'll have the road coverage, and 
Um, hopefully more access on the road too. Could allow us to yep. do some more fun stories. And, Counting on that. <clears throat> and we'll, uh, yeah, hopefully every, we're going to try for shoot Mondays for podcasts, but I guess it'll all depend on travels and all that things. Yeah, travel and the schedule, but we'll be early in the week every week. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, not terrific. This is, uh, yeah, it's the start of the 10th season. Crazy. Here we go. Let's do it. For Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus Powers. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit.